Alright lads, this podcast is a member of the Vices of Wrestling podcast and network. Visit vicesofwrestling.com to hear the rest of our great podcasts, as well as show reviews, columns, opinions and updates across the world of wrestling. And welcome to the inaugural edition of the Honor Roll here as part of VoicesOfWrestling.com. This is going to be your one-stop shop, your Ring of Honor-centric podcast here at Voices of Wrestling, because up until this point, we've never had one. And I went to Rich and went, hey, can I do one? And he went, yeah. So here we are. Uh, For this first edition, we are going to be looking at the G1 Supercard coming up this 6th of April 2019 as part of WrestleMania weekend. And to do this show, uh, I couldn't do this on my own, and so I've called in the big guns. The biggest guns of them all, besides Billy. Uh, First of all, my... And Bobby. And Bobby, of course. Uh, My... (laughs) Don't throw me off. Uh, my co-host uh, elsewhere in other parts of the podcasting land, uh, currently uh, he is going through every episode of Thunder for reasons I've still not yet established. He is uh, my brother from another mother. He is Dave Ryan. Hello, Dave. Hi. How are you, Mark? It's, it's refreshing to talk about wrestling that's happening in 2019. I know, right? We've never done that before, have we? A depressing lack of Lex Luger, but nah, <laughs> what can you do? And also, uh, we have a very, very, very special guest. Not that Dave isn't special, but I don't get to talk to this man as much as I'd like. Uh, he is usually can be found over at the Pro Wrestling Paradise as part of PW Torch. Uh, he is the man, the myth, the legend himself, Mr. Pectacular. He is Alan Forel. Alan, how are you? Well, when you have yourself a paradise, a, a palatial estate like that, like you, you don't really want to leave that much. You know, it, it would take a special occasion like someone starting a brand new Ring of Honor podcast on the Voice of Wrestling Network to bring me out of my luxurious, all-weather, perfection paradise. Yeah. (laughs) It's early in the morning, guys. It is. the earliest I've ever done a podcast. This is a terrible idea. I'm going to be shit on this. This this is a terrible idea to do early in the morning. There's a light teeming through the window into my office, and I don't like it. <laughs> the, the problem is, I think that um, just like uh, WrestleMania weekend itself, everyone that has any form of a wrestling podcast is doing some sort of recording over the next couple of days, uh, which includes myself and Dave. I don't know what your schedule is, Alan, but we've got... I, I, I did like two and a half hours yesterday. Yeah, so me, myself and Dave have this today. We're going to be doing a, a, some form of a WrestleMania preview tomorrow. Um... And at some point, I guess we'll have to do our actual normal show at some point later in the week as well. So it's, yeah, um, we are kind of the swoggle of the, the wrestling podcast world at the moment. And do you know how many Guns matches, do you know how many matches that fucking man has over Mania Weekend? 
it's it's got to be either him or Ethan Page that's the leader. Ethan Page is wrestling on every show. Yeah, I do. I, I mean, I will watch Swoggle versus Scott Steiner. Like, I feel I'm kind of contractually obliged to do such a thing. Um, and I'll be watching Swoggle versus Nick Gage. <laughs> oh, yeah. That's actually <laughs> Nick Gage has a fair few matches over the weekend. Like, I keep seeing his name pop up everywhere. And everyone, like, the, the preview for every single one of these matches is simply it's Nick fucking Cage. I mean, if Nick See, Cage here, was there here, as well, that'd be good. Here's the thing. I I don't find Hornswoggle funny at all. Like, oh, no. Am I missing something? No, he's you're not just, missing anything. Like, he's not... Like, it's literally just... He's a short guy. You know, that's like literally I mean, the only... That is hilarious. Uh, yeah, for many generations, that probably was the, the height of wrestling comedy. To be well, but at least those lads were like charismatic and stuff. And, yeah. you know, Little Beaver and all these, these those guys that wrestled King Kong Bundy. Um, but um, I, I just don't find Hornswoggle that he just seems to not give a shit. Like, he's just so very kind of plays it too cool for school. And just, I don't know. Well, people I, keep I, booking him and... I mean, until people stop booking him, uh, this is the current uh, the current path of way the things will be. Um, but anyway, we are not here as part of the Ring of Honor, the Honor Roll, to talk we're, about Hornswoggle. We're either, we're just we're just one thing. Okay. We're either right. of you guys. We're either of you guys at that OTT show with Ricochet versus Will Ospreay. Yes. Yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> no one ever remembers that. Like that incredible, like greatest OTT match to that point in OTT history, maybe still one of the greatest OTT matches, and nobody remembers that Hornswoggle got in the ring at the end of the show for like the Ian Rotten promo, yeah, where he's like, "You two guys are a credit to to this rig, and and you are the the best two cruiserweights in the world." And yeah. like Ricochet kind of looked at, or it might have been Osprey kind of looked at him and was like, uh, "Cruiserweights, uh, uh, yeah." Okay. Giving these young guys the rub. Hey, look, he is a <laughs> he is a veteran, all right. You know, he was in SmackDown like 2006. You know, what are these kids done? Yeah. Uh, it was so like, and he wasn't even. I don't think he was even supposed to get in there. I think he just did it off his own. Like it was full on Tommy Dreamer at a Ring of Honor show or <laughs> Ian Rot. Like just like. All that was missing was like the Tommy Dreamer. Um, uh, you guys remind me of of what we had in the ECW arena when things were extreme, and you have that heart. And it, it was just that kind of just self-grandizing. Oh, I was like, fucking someone get Hornswoggle out there. Jesus Christ. He's got no podcast yet because he must have one, or if he doesn't, he will, and he will be well, doing this at some point. He's on the AIW podcast a lot, I, I believe, but I haven't listened to that in, in a while. But uh, uh, I think he's on that quite a bit. He's 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 buddies with uh, those guys. Before we move on, I'll give you one of my during that match was one of my all time personal favorite deadpan Mark Robinson moments, where uh, after Ricochet and Osprey tore the house down, it right in front of us live, uh, during which I believe Ricochet dove over us in, in the course of that match. Um, I asked Mark how the match, what, what he thought of the match, and he said the speakers are very loud and my head hurts. <laughs> <laughs> Old man Robinson here for your entertainment. 
Yeah, I was nearly in tears at how great the match was. That that is that is Chinese for I am having a very good time and I enjoyed the show. Thank you very much. Well, yeah. if it's any consolation, Mark, those speakers got knocked the fuck down this week. <laughs> I was there knocking them down. Don't worry about it. Um, okay. At least we'll at least we'll always have that Hornswoggle promo in our Tivoli memories. <laughs> Credit to the business. Moving. Greatest cruiserweights moving in the world. Moving swiftly on, Alan, before you hijack this show with your talk of swoggle. Um, of sorry, the things I wasn't expecting Alan doing a swoggle impression <laughs> when, we, when I agreed to this show, but I'm here for it. This is why I booked, a, booked the big guns. Um, anyway, so we have the G1 Supercard. Uh, just quickly before that, happening tonight as of this recording, March 31st from Baltimore, Maryland, uh, we have the 4th of... Um, what have been uh, kind of G1 Supercard Row 2 shows. Uh, the first three took place in January, uh, kind of doing a Texas loop. Um, there's not too much to talk about of note, but there's three matches that kind of took my eye uh, that I just wanted to make a quick mention of. Uh, one being Roosh versus Tracy Williams, which is just kind of one of those... That feels like a match you would see on some random shindy over WrestleMania weekend. Um, I, I don't know how that's going to work exactly it seems like a bit of a styles clash um tracy williams hasn't really it been feels doing... like something that would be booked by the guys that write the segunda caida blog yeah it just it doesn't seem like a match that's going to work and tracy williams hasn't done much for me in ring of honor so far um but this just seems yeah, like i was a... kind of excited when he went there originally because i was kind of really getting into some of his stuff in other indies around the time um but yeah like you said he's really not no, like, and let the world on fire. There. And I think part of it is that whole like lifeblood um, stable, which is something we can discuss, I guess, at some point. At uh, length, I imagine. Which is a real just fucking like, hey, here's everyone that's new. Let's just, let's round them up and put a little bow on it, and there you go, lifeblood. Um, so I think he's kind of slightly been lost in the shuffle because of that. Did you just call? Did you just call Tennille Dashwood a little bow? I said the group as a whole. <laughs> had been wrapped in a little bow. Thank you very much. Okay. You said everyone knew and put a little bow on and She's not. She's not new. She was technically there before, so I think oh, okay. you were insinuating she was the little bow. No, <laughs> that is not what I was getting to. Well, but... Like little bows are, are pretty, and they 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 t- tend to make things look nicer. And look, I, I do not want to start an online feud with Tennille Dashwood, right? Because she'd yeah. probably kill me. So yeah. uh, my goal of this first episode of yeah. Mark's new podcast is to get Mark cancelled. <laughs> yeah, misogyny's own Mark Robinson here. <laughs> All right, I I was just going to stick with burying Tracy Williams, but now we're you know cool. Awesome. Now this has happened. Yeah, this has happened. Uh, I expect this will be the first podcast that we already have beefs. I expect this will be a quick win for Roosh as he heads into the G1 uh, G1 Supercard. Uh, I've liked Roosh so far in Ring of Honor. Um, I liked his 17th anniversary match with Bandido. Uh, that shouldn't come as a surprise. Roosh versus Bandido should be good, and that was. Um, I'm I'm I can't say I'm particularly compelled for either this or his match at Madison Square Garden, but I guess we'll get into that. Um, we have the kingdom of Tico Ryan and Vinnie Marcellia against the champion Jay Lethal, the champions Jay Lethal and Jeff Cobb, against Lifeblood made up of Juice Robinson and Bandido. I expect this could be a, an enjoyable uh, six-man clusterfuck. Um, not really too much of note here, but... I think that of the matches on this card, that one should be enjoyable. Uh, and then finally, we have uh, a rematch from the 17th anniversary of Villain Enterprises, PCO and Brody King, uh, defending their belts for the first time against the 
uh, tag team that they won it from, the Briscoe Brothers. Uh, so first of all, I just want to ask, did either of you see the match from uh, the 17th anniversary? I sadly did not. All right. Okay. Uh, I would highly recommend it. Um, it's one I've of. I've heard it was good. I have heard that. Yeah, it's one of the better Briscoe matches in the last couple of years. The last one I could think of off the top of my head was uh, I can't remember where they had the Young Bucks. I can't remember if it was um, Final Battle twenty seventeen or it was another show around that time. I think that. Yeah, I think it was. Oh no, no, it was. Um... It was Best in the World 2017. That's I think. the one. Yeah, I couldn't remember off the top of my head. Uh, this was a violent spectacle, uh, to say was the least. Was it better than? Um, was it better than the only PTO match I've seen in ROH so far? Is the six-man tag with um, the Briscoes and Silas against Marty's group? Um, and I thought that was very, very good kind of plunder brawl. Was it? better than that uh this was better than that yeah okay cool. uh and and more violent as well i mean uh you've got pco getting stabbed in the throat with a broken kendo stick which i'm i'm all here for um just yeah and and jay did one of those kind of legendary uh blade jobs that he's done a fair few times over his career uh just you know full-on kind of like red skull type crimson mask um just yeah a, a real kind of spectacle and this match seems a bit weird because uh, the 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 four way tag match at the G One Supercard is kind of a, a, a winner takes all. I'm still not entirely sure on what the actual kind of official how that match is going to work, but it seems like both sets of belts are on the line. Um, so it does kind of seem that the winners of this match this match doesn't really seem relevant because of um, the G One Supercard uh, match itself, but if the 70th anniversary was anything to go by, this should be at least good. Though It's all about gaining that precious momentum. It and is. And of course, the winner's share of the purse. Uh, yes, thank you for keeping this uh, a legitimate sport, Alan. I do appreciate appreciate that uh that vision um but yeah so this will be uh this should be fine i i've checked out some of the stuff from the uh the rosie shows and they've been okay but it's nothing of note uh to talk about but you know ring of honor kind of taking the mentality of new japan with the rosie shows which isn't the worst thing to do um because uh the the new japan rosie shows over the years uh, usually will provide you know a couple of matches of note that are worth checking out Anyway, moving swiftly on. So, G1 Supercard, April 6th, Madison Square Garden. Um, before we actually talk about the show itself, I guess we could start by talking about the actual, uh, just the importance of this show and the fact that this is actually happening. Because, um, uh, you know, it's been stated uh, elsewhere, but I still think that we should kind of really talk about the fact that, you know, this is wrestling happening at Madison Square Garden that isn't the WWE um, and that's a pretty big deal like even the fact that uh, the Hall of Fame isn't taking place in Madison Square Garden because when I went to Mania mm. in 2013 I went to the um, the Hall of Fame ceremony um, two reasons, one because Mick Foley was being in inducted but also because it was at Madison Square Garden and, and that was the first time that I probably started watching wrestling was the Royal Rumble 2000 from Madison Square Garden um, how do you... Channel 4 represent. Channel 4 represent, exactly. <laughs> How do you guys feel about the fact that this is this show is happening um, and just kind of the importance of it? And, you know, what are your thoughts and feelings on the fact that this show is happening from Madison Square Garden? Both from kind of, you know, WWE not being there and also uh, the perspectives of Ring of Honor and New Japan. I'll start with you, Alan. 
Well, I think it's a beautiful thing that the one right-wing propaganda group threatened the lawsuit against the other uh, in bed with right-wing people uh, and told them they'd sue them if they couldn't run a show in their building. And now it gets to happen. It's a it's a really beautiful thing. Um, <laughs> but, uh, uh, yeah, it was... Uh, ROH pulls a serious power play. And I guess New Japan are forever indebted with them, or indebted to them, and uh, at least until the show is over, and then we'll see what happens after that. But, um, yeah, it's, it's, it's very cool. I'm glad it's happening. Um, it's... Uh, the Garden... It's obviously 25 years since uh, the WrestleMania 10 at the Garden, and that would be one of the sort of first big Garden shows kind of during my fandom. Like, I was kind of getting tapes of shows like, say, 91, SummerSlam and stuff like that, but, I mean, the first big show to happen at the Garden while I was a fan was probably Mania 10, and it's just been this kind of... Like when you're a kid and watching TV and the commentators are talking about Madison Square Garden and there's just that reverence to it and you're not quite sure why but then as you kind of go on and you're you're wrestling fandom and you learn about the history and Bruno and everything that's gone on there and what an important building it's been not just for wrestling but other forms of entertainment and sport and um it's got a heck of a lot of history to it. I didn't get to, when we were there in 2013, I didn't get to go see the Hall of Fame in there, but I did um, go to the garden and take a photo outside of us. And um, I think the photo, I I could be wrong, but I think it was, uh, I stood, I need to check this now because I've piqued my own curiosity. I think it was a, a, the marquee was for a Tyson Fury fight, and I was standing underneath the uh, the marquee for Tyson Fury before I kind of even knew who he was. But uh, um, yeah, it's it's a huge get. It's obviously ruffled Vince's feathers, as I alluded to. WWE tried to tried to block it, and ROH pulled the power play, or Sinclair more specifically uh, pulled the power play, and and they were able to get the show back back on. And it's gonna be. I think of I think there is some level of disappointment to a large percentage of the ticket buyers who bought the show during the peak of the elite being tied in with these two groups. Yeah. And it was a lot of your AEW um, all in uh, bubble of fans that I think were a lot of the ticket buyers for this. I think there was some resentment and disappointment when it became clear that those guys weren't going to be on here. And I think there was another layer of resentment and disappointment when it was like New Japan had the gall to uh, continue and present this show within the realm of what they're currently doing in Japan. And that's getting behind Jay White and pushing him and and having him in the main event defending the title, which is absolutely the right thing to do. And um, I think there was some bitterness amongst a lot of the fans that are attending this show because of that. but I think when you see the full card and it's all come together, it's hard, no matter how big a fan of Cody Rhodes you are, how big of a fan of other things that aren't going to be on this show you are, it's hard to look at this card. And like you must be a really in-the-bubble wrestling fan to your specific tastes to not have something on this show that excites you. Because there's names, there's... 
um, big matches. There's matches that look like they'll be crazy fun. There's um, matches with legends. It, 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 I don't know how you'd be able to be going to this show and, and not be excited. So um, I'm hoping we get a really passionate, appreciative, enthusiastic crowd. Um, obviously, it's New York. It's traveling WrestleMania fans. There's going to be a lot of just like if you were at this show, like you'd be really crossing your fingers based on like who is in your area where you're sitting because that could make or break the show for you. Like Mark, we know from like the Ring of Honor show we went to in Hammerstein. Oh like, God! Oh, oh I my know, God! I know people, what you're talking about. Some of the people around us just oh, you, you, <laughs> it would make you want to leave to get up and walk out just to get air and a break at points during the show. So. If you were going there live, it's it's probably going to be a gamble with who you're surrounded by. But I think watching at home, I think the majority um, will be creating such a good atmosphere that I, I'm thinking and hoping it's going to come off really well on TV. Yeah, I think one like when you're talking about the whole thing with the elite and that mass exodus, uh, I think that it's a combination of that, but also, and obviously he's a part of the elite, but the the lack of Kenny Omega on this show is I think more so than the Young Bucks or Cody is yeah. is the big omission here and as far as I'm aware Kenny doesn't have any presence over this weekend um, and you know this would have been the one place that um, people would have been able to see him and, and I imagine that uh, a significant portion of the people that had been buying tickets for this show were doing so on the back of hey you know we would be seeing Kenny Omega um, I think there, there's rumors he might be at one of the two spring breaks, but um, uh, that seems very much in the the spirit of Kenny Omega. Because <laughs> um, but... Janela's got two mystery opponents, and Janela's an AEW guy now. So there you go. Omega will be one, and Jericho will be the other. How about that? Um, oh, that'd be wild. Oh, yeah. if, if Jericho is one of the Jericho on spring break, I didn't even think of, but now I I am. As the kids say, Mark, I am here for that. <laughs> but yeah, Dave, how do you think about the fact that um, Omega was was clearly, to a lot of people, the, a big draw for this, even though obviously nothing had been announced, and him being removed, and kind of how the card has come together over the last couple of weeks, and if you think that um, people who may have been disappointed before, if they're going to be kind of excited for the show even now that... that Omega is obviously not a part of New Japan um, under any kind of official capacity and isn't a part of this show. Yeah, so I think um, to kind of dovetail off what Alan was saying, I think a lot of the the, the shit that uh, Jay White is getting in certain quarters at the moment stems from that kind of disappointment over Kenny Omega not being on the card. Like, it's, it's... a lot of people have convinced themselves it's more about Jay White, but I, I think it is that a lot of them had talked themselves into thinking when they bought tickets that they were going to get Kenny Omega versus Okada again uh, in the garden, which would have been amazing, obviously. Uh, and now are kind of taking their resentment at the lack of Kenny out on poor Jay White, who hasn't really done anything to justify the level of hatred he gets in some quarters because i would agree with alan that it it, it is absolutely the right thing to do what they're doing with him at the moment especially given the kind of the the exodus of talent over the last few months to a year um yeah i i think the in spite of the fact that i would come from a more kind of like casual 
fan of New Japan or a Ring of Honor perspective, I think in spite of the lack of Kenny Omega, the card has come together very well. And as Alan said, there is like no matter what kind of wrestling, what kind of guys you're into, there is probably something for you on this card. So I think all things considered, when you, you think that both these companies suffered the, the loss of the same like handful of guys who are gone to AEW now, guys who are really riding the crest of a wave of popularity. When you take that into account, they've done incredibly well. And then you add to it the fact that this place is, this show has taken place in Madison Square Garden, which is absolutely fucking wild. Like, as we said, both because of the significant shows that took place during our childhoods for WWF, the WrestleMania 10, uh, Royal Rumble 2000, WrestleMania 20 as well. Like it, it, they had not only was it a mythological place for WWF, but over the years they kind of fueled that mythology themselves to the point now it's so ingrained in us that that is like that's the McMahon's house, Madison Square Garden. So they've kind of they've been their own worst enemy on that. That they've it, the fact that Ring of Honor and New Japan are there now doing this G1 Supercard. It, it's an even bigger deal because of how much of a big deal they made Madison Square Garden over the years. And it was like an incredibly spiteful thing to do to try and stop them from running the the building, even though they had no real intention of running it themselves because for the Mania weekend shows, that company has outgrown a building that small. Yeah, and I mean, with WWE, everything they would, would be doing... Um would have been based out of the Barclays anyway. Um, although maybe they would have tried to book MSG again for um, for the, the Hall of Fame. Because I can't remember exactly what it is about how they got priced out. Because they still do live events at Madison Square Garden. But yeah, I, think I, think it's, it's a, I think it's a TV taping thing. Yeah. yeah. Um, do, which is bigger though, Barclays or MSG? Or are they probably a bit the same? Uh, I, you know what? I have Google in front of me. I will have a quick look. Yeah. Alan, you can say something while I look this up. Well, I actually didn't realize um, that Hall of Fame was in Barclays too, and so you just said it there, kind of just without thinking about it or checking it. I just assumed it was MSG. Yeah, I, I had to look that up myself because I was like, "Huh, where actually?" Okay, so Barclays is nineteen thousand. MSG is kind of it varies depending on setup. Obviously, it's it's average is around about twenty thousand. So yeah, they're about the same size, roughly. Yeah, I think usually in the 90s, like when they uh, settled out, it would be, I think, around the 19,000 mark. Mm. Mm. Um, I think one of the other things as well um, that certainly from when me and Dave were talking the other day that makes this interesting as well is the fact that this show is taking place on Saturday, which, um, as far as I'm aware, and I just checked for last year, uh, the NXT TakeOver show has taken place on the Saturday, uh, which this year is actually taking place on Friday. Um, so I don't know if that was in um, because of the fact that this Madison Square Garden show is taking place, um, or they planned all along to kind of split between NXT, the Hall of Fame, and WrestleMania. Um, but it does feel that you've had this kind of very big show kind of nudge itself into the the weekend um, of what now some people are just calling you know wrestling weekend and not WrestleMania weekend. Uh, and we've seen also some of the knockback effect of you know there's barely anything that is running uh, opposed to. Uh, this show on Saturday 
so you've got uh, wrestling events taking place as kind of early as, as Wednesday, I think, uh, and a big bulk of the uh, independent stuff is taking place on Thursday and Friday, um, where I remember in, in years past when I've gone, um, you know, stuff didn't start till Friday, um, though we have seen that kind of trickle-back effects where we've seen stuff taking place on Thursday as well now. Um, I I'm, think the, the last year you and I went to Mania in 2016 and Dallas was like, the, the last year before it went truly crazy with the independent shows. Like, I, I, I remember there was quite a lot on that weekend. Um, we went to, like, the, the WrestleCon Super Show. We went to Ring of Honor. Um, and there was, like, there was talk briefly of running out of one to go to some of Evolve and then run back. But I think it was after that that it just it just spiraled out of control and yeah even though a lot of shows are taking place earlier in the week this week it feels like everybody had that brainwave simultaneously so instead of loads of shows clashing over friday and saturday now loads of shows are just clashing over wednesday thursday friday now yeah and they it does kind of feel like they're they're I mean, it'll be interesting to see um, the fallout of how these independent shows do. Um, and, you know, this is kind of... There are a lot of, of independents in that um, northeastern territory, so um, I'm not sure that this will be the case, you know, for every company and uh, manias in years to come after. You know, we'll see how Tampa does next year, but um, there does seem to be more... So it, it seems insane. It, it, well, it is insane, the amount of... of uh, shows being run this year um and i think that this uh, g1 supercard is kind of like an additional stamp that has kind of pushed everything back uh, a little bit further as well um and i guess the other kind of massive pivotal thing about this is as far as i'm aware uh, now we've seen new japan talent um be a part of, of different independents usually the the, the wrestlecon shows over the, the the years um and you know my world famous picture with me and and jushin von der Liger. uh but you know this is the first time new japan are running over mania weekend uh, and i think that that in itself is kind of a big fucking thing because um you know we'll see what happens next year if ring of honor and new japan run in conjunction with each other again or they try to do their own thing um it, We've seen their attempts to expand into the North American territory has uh, had some success and some failures as well. Some of that not being completely of their own doing, but still, uh, some of the stuff that happened uh, last year uh, has given people uh, a little bit of cold feet. And we've seen with the um, the sales tick the ticket sales for the uh, G1 Dallas show not being you know what they want. Um, but this is still a big thing. This is New Japan over WrestleMania weekend. This is something that I imagine the WWE aren't thrilled about. Um, do you think that, obviously, this has been successful from the uh, from the, the the gate, the fact that this is sold out? Um, is it fair to say that we'll be seeing New Japan doing this every year going forward, being a part of Mania weekend, having their own show at, at Mania weekend? I'm not sure, because... I think a big part of them doing it this year was the opportunity to run MSG. And for those that aren't aware, Madison Square Garden holds a huge historical significance to New Japan, both in terms of their own company and what was going on in MSG in the 70s and 80s on the American side of things being sort of revered in Japan and the Japanese magazines. But so many of their legends have historical significance to MSG, whether it's Fujinami or Inoki or Tiger Mask. And that was probably a big reason for them wanting to do it. 
But I just don't think I just don't see them being of the mentality that they feel the need to do a show in Tampa when it's just some random arena or whatever that they run and there's no sort of historical significance when they could come back and do their own show and not feel like they're kind of attaching on to WWE and do their own show later in the year like they are anyway with things like the Dallas show. Um, I just feel like that is probably the way forward. The only thing that would kind of stop that is if they just can't get the crowds they want anymore for their own shows with the competition in the space with now with AEW running big shows. Um, But I think if it got to that point, it's like where you just need to piggyback off to be, I feel like they'd be like, why even bother at that point? I still don't think they, I, I think their main reason they're doing it this year is because of the opportunity to do MSG and I could see them if, if Mania was in New York again the next few years trying to do it again um, but aside from that I don't I don't see New Japan as a Mania weekend thing being any kind of a lock at all moving forward yeah I, I agree with that like not only for the running a random building in Tampa isn't going to have the same kind of historical connection with the company but as well as that running a random building in Tampa isn't going to be nearly the PR coup that landing a date in Madison Square Garden is like a, a, a lot of people who wouldn't be aware of the, the historical links between uh New Japan, Madison Square Garden, and Japanese wrestling in Madison Square Garden. Um, they took notice still, because, again, to American fans, that's WWE's building. So that you're not going to get that same peak of interest running somewhere in Tampa, because then you're just another Mania weekend show. You know what I mean? The only thing I could say... Um... Well, because I do agree, certainly, with everything about, you know, the reason that they're running Madison Square Garden. The only thing I could see is, depending on the success of um, the any of the North American shows they do, they do this year, um, is that if they do a show in... Now, I don't know the, the kind of venue layout of Tampa and what they have, but uh, I would say that any show that they do over a Mania weekend, I think, is a, is a pretty much a virtual lock to do... To be successful because um you know people are in town for that weekend and 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 you have you know largely uh people that aren't just you know diehard wwe fans but fans of wrestling in general so i think that you would be at least a lock to have a successful show though i can see the you know perception is is key and you wouldn't want to have your show come across as piggybacking off of uh WWE, but I mean, I at the same time I don't think that hurts them uh, particularly because if they're still taking uh, you know a, a business in the North American market, regardless of what time of the year they do it, um, I can see the the benefits of doing so. Um, it would just be a case of whether they would want to put on a card kind of similar to this one because I think one of the big things, the big concerns that people have is that uh, New Japan's representation for this show would be their usual kind of you know tag matches and six mans uh where that clearly isn't the case here uh which i think some people are even surprised by by the fact that you know the the big matches that have come together over the last month or so uh, have been way past when this show had already been sold out but you know as we go through this card like the the second half of the show is is wrestle kingdom worthy um 
but we'll see. We'll see how it goes uh, in, in years to come. Uh, shall we actually now take the time to have a look through this card? Because uh, there are 11 matches uh, currently scheduled. And uh, this, while not quite at WrestleMania uh, levels of length, uh, I expect this show is going to go all, all of five hours, if not more. Um, the G1 Supercard from April 6th, Madison Square Garden, which will be available on a number of different platforms, including uh, New Japan World, the, the Honor Club, uh, I think, believe on Fight TV, and traditional pay-per-view. Let's get into this then. First of all, the Honor Rumble. Um, I don't know... Well, they haven't announced anyone other than Liger so far, uh, and I want to guess that this will be a 30-man Rumble. Who the fuck knows? Um, who's in this? Who's winning it? Um, <laughs> I, I, Kyrie thinks, you know, Liger's in it. He's on the retirement tour. It's a pre-show match, Madison Square Garden card. Why not? Why not have him win it? I, I'd lean towards that, but there's going to be a lot of big names in this thing. Um, <laughs> because there's physically big men that he couldn't throw out. <laughs> just, I, I don't know. I can just see a lot of guys who'd be strong candidates. for. When you look at New Japan people who are around at WrestleMania week who aren't booked on this card, like there's some heavy hitters like Atomo mm. Hiroishi, Minoru Suzuki. Now, of course... One of them may pop up later in the show. Um, Liger is a good bet, though. Um, it's a safe bet. I've heard there's big surprises planned for this. Um, uh, Keiji Muto has been mentioned as a potential. Um, but yeah, I, I'm just gonna be. It's gonna be Royal Rumble styles. So the guys coming out with their own individual entrances, and that could be pretty fun. Like that could be a really kind of fun way to start the evening. I will say if if the great Muta or Keiji Muto, whatever kind of version of him shows up, he's winning this on what I call the Iron Sheik ruling. Oh yeah, oh hundred percent. Yeah. But that would be cool if 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 uh, Muto sh shows up. Um, that would be uh, that's that's going to be one of the bigger pops of the weekend. Um, I do think though that that Liger is the safe bet, but then this is Liger, and at this point, him and winning are not two concepts that yeah. kind of go with each other. So, um, yeah, if if Moot is in it, then he's winning due to the, to the Sheik ruling. Um, after that, I don't know. Fuck it, cheeseburger. I like that you you say the Sheik ruling as if it's some sort of European high court. It, it, <laughs> like, it is. Well, look, precedent has been set. He has no knees, therefore. Um, <laughs> can the I make can I make a, a bold prediction on here? Of course you can. Um, is uh, is the dog still a thing? Is um, Ed Ferrara or whatever Will Ferrara is he still? Uh, um, is he still a uh, member of the ROH roster? Uh, I don't know if he... I haven't seen him for a while, but I do know that Rhett Titus is currently doing a... Um, he, he's you told me about this during the week. Yeah, he's kind he's of... doing like a bodybuilding thing. Kind of, yeah. yeah. It's it's like he's, a narcissist sort of... The, the lowest rent version of that type gimmick. Who's a... Um, who's a smaller... Weasley heel on the ROH roster. No one's coming to mind for me, but I have a spot for this person. If, uh, if they... Off the top of my head, maybe um, when you say smaller, because if you mean like a slender sort of framed kind of guy, maybe a TK Ryan. Mm, I don't see them doing this to TK Ryan. 
Maybe the other guy in Kingdom. Okay, Vinny Marseglia. The beard. Okay. Yeah. Vinny Marseglia, my prediction, is he is eliminated via double palm strike from Jushin Thunder Liger and Cheeseburger. You should be booking this show. I, if that happens, I want full credit. Um, do you see any other... I also want uh, Liger and Cheeseburger at uh, one and two and both of them doing the Iron Man performance and being the last two in as well. Oh, you know who it could be? Ghetto. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 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 Ghetto, ghetto, ghetto makes sense. Bump. Yeah, ghetto, oh, yeah. ghetto would fly over that top rope for that move. Oh, I, I could even see... Uh, uh, well, no, maybe not due to the hill-face dynamic, but I could see even Delirious wanting to, to take that spot as well. But yeah, Ghetto actually seems like the perfect man for that spot. Delirious might book himself to win the thing. I don't think he would do that. He doesn't seem the type to do that. I like that halfway through that sentence you started to doubt yourself. <laughs> I don't think. But I can see there's going to be like a point in this match where there's going to be like some combination of potentially, you know, Ishii or Suzuki and Delirious and Liger and Mark Haskins and Tracy Williams and my my brain is just a collection of humanity. It really. Is Haskins definitely going to be over there because I haven't seen him on any other cards. I mean. It... He is part of the roster. I would guess they would have him. I mean, they have if they have thirty people in this rumble, like they're gonna have to fill the fucking thing out. Um, and I can't imagine New Japan are flying in, you know, the entirety of their roster. So I would guess he's in it. Hmm. That would be weird for Mark Haskins' only thing at WrestleMania week to be a battle royal. Uh, I mean, it wouldn't be the weirdest thing that I see this weekend. <laughs> trying to think where where else he might slot like uh, as far as indie shows he'd be allowed to do but maybe he's got like an exclusive thing with ring of honor in the u.s and he just can't do because there are any other ring of honor jay lethal the briscoes they're not doing any other shows so maybe yeah that's he's probably got one of those contracts um yeah i can't think of anyone else like pco's not doing yeah brody isn't yeah yeah it could be it could be that actually yeah um, so, moving on to uh, the, the main portion of this show, to start off with, uh, Will Ospreay, the never openweight champion, will take on Jeff Cobb, the current Ring of Honor television champion, in a winner-takes-all match. Um, boys, this is a very tasty match, and mm. the outcome of this is made all the more interesting by that winner-takes-all stipulation. Um, Dave, I'm going to start with you on your thoughts on what this match could and can be, and who do you think is going to win? Yeah, so this is my I had a huge circle around this match is one that was piquing my interest. Uh, I'm I'm a high man on Jeff Cobb. I know a lot of like the, some people kind of you know they they enjoy the spots he does, they enjoy the mechanics of his matches, but they wanted something a little bit more, something a little bit in terms of like better storytelling in his matches. I don't know, which uh, I think is I'm... nonsense, by the way, because a he's matched with Adam Page at Final yeah. Battle, and his 17th anniversary match with Shane Taylor were yes, just. The match with Taylor was amazing. Yeah. And I love him. Uh, Jeff Cobb, a man once famously described by our friend Jack as being built like luggage. Um, <laughs> I've I've never been disappointed watching him live. Um, I And with the right guy, he has unbelievable matches. I believe his match was his match with Bandito at PWG 200 it was apparently an absolute banger. So I'm, I'm looking forward to watching that as well. Um but uh yeah and of course like what what 
superlative can you throw at Will Ospreay that hasn't been used already. The man is just on a tear. We we know what an absolutely special talent he is and you could do a lot worse than having Jeff Cobb as your base for some of the crazy stuff that Osprey may well do. Um, and as well, this is another kind of with, with Osprey having the never open weight strap, this is another kind of Osprey still beefing up, still kind of adding to his, uh, heavyweight credentials and, uh, no better man to go up against than uh, young Jeffrey Cobb. As for a winner, genuinely, I, I, I would, I could go either way on this. I, I don't really know. I don't think Osprey is losing, to be honest. But uh, at the same time, the, the winner-take-all stip is kind of has made me a bit curious as to what the actual plan with this is to have one of these guys with both belts going forward for a little while anyway. The thing that makes it hard to predict for me is that both guys have huge momentum in their respective promotions and it's like yeah. and both are clearly being set up for big things and it's like who do you cut off at the the legs here because osprey is building a a really impactful good never open weight title reign even though he hasn't made defenses yet just the way he's kind of portrayed the belt um yeah. has been really good for that belt and kind of taken it back to um levels it hadn't been at in a while um cobb has been a roaring success in ring of honor i'm someone who i've i've probably known of and been a fan of jeff cobb longer than most because i got into him before he actually had his peter bougie breakout with hero that time um and had the lucha underground stuff i i I discovered him in i remember creating a thread about him on the the f4w board back in probably i don't know 2012 or 2013 do you remember those Um, days (laughs) indeed yeah Uh, the um the thing about him is it became clear to me after a few years that jeff just needs as you said dave the right opponent and i've had wrestlers um talk to me about this who've wrestled him like respected veterans who have said that it's just about kind of waking Jeff up sometimes and making him realize how good he is and how good of a match he can have. Cause if you ever listen to Jeff do an interview or even just talk to the guy, he's like the most humble, modest guy in the world. He doesn't think very highly of himself. Um, it, it's not like he's got like low self confidence because he's like a, he's a very chilled, confident guy, but he just doesn't think he's anything too special. Like yeah. he just thinks he's, he just thinks he's, dude you know and he, he doesn't really it, it takes someone to wake up the monster yeah. inside of him and uh adam page god bless him on his last event in ring of honor where he could have totally phoned it in if he wanted to he decided to just go out there and try and have the absolute craziest match he could and he brought the monster and the beast out of Jeff Cobb and that one that was as you said an incredible match I haven't seen the Shane Taylor match but oh it's so good you guys have made me want to watch it so I will try I don't know if you saw there's a gif where Cobb throws a clothesline so hard that he ends (laughs) up flying out of the ring from the other side of the ring because he puts that much force into it it's so good it's I haven't seen that I've not seen clotheslines thrown quite like that I, I, I totally like agree with the the idea of of the you need to wake up Cobb sometimes like i think one of the best matches i saw live that he had he had a match two years ago at super strong style with matt riddle Riddle. and going into going into that match i remember people talking about how they had had a couple of matches before that 
when you saw the two names, the match kind of failed to deliver on the match you had in your head. Um, they were fine. They just weren't anything special. And then these guys came out and were obviously just given free reign to do whatever the fuck they want and absolutely killed it that night. And it was a case of Riddle woke them up and it was amazing. Yeah, because um, Riddle loves them. And I'm sure if other people were disappointed in their previous matches, there was probably no one more disappointed than Riddle. And yeah. he was probably like, come on, bro. We just got to go <laughs> kill it tonight, bro. And uh, yeah, they did. But um, it's um, where, where I was kind of going with all that was since joining Ring of Honor, it feels like the people have been seeing the best of Jeff Cobb, and that's that's really encouraging. And I I think his run to television title seems like something you kind of don't want to end right now, unless it's to move him up to the heavyweight title. And to be honest, ROH needs some. Uh, new faces in that heavyweight title scene and some yeah just some freshness and jeff cobb would be that kind of freshness like i mean if you were gonna just change gears completely at the top of their car at a a guts of a year samoa joe-esque roh title reign for jeff cobb might be the perfect thing to do it so i think osprey is probably the safer bet because i think you have that way to move Jeff Cobb forward after this, that, okay, he has to overcome this loss, but once you kind of get him back on track, you've got a path with him and a, an obvious slot for him. Whereas if Osprey was to lose this, it just seems like there's way more for him left to do as never champion, and it's too soon for him to be hitting like IWGP level or IC title level. So, mm. yeah, I, I, I think Osprey is the way to go here. Um, but I'm not going to fall over shocked in the slightest if uh, Cobb wins, particularly because Osprey got the pinfall on Cobb, beat him with the Stormbreaker, got the got the big bit of luggage over his shoulder and uh, <laughs> flipped that thing around. And um, yeah, it feels like getting that such a de- uh, definitive pinfall victory over him that he's not going to get a second one in a row. So that's probably like the biggest thing that makes me doubt Osprey winning. So. Yeah, it really could go either way. Yeah, you make and a... it's it's a great testament to like how thought actually did go into putting together this card because you you have this match that is to some extent, especially given the context of it being in Madison Square Garden, big WrestleMania weekend show, it is kind of like a, a dream marquee match sort of situation. And the way they've booked it with both titles being on the line uh, has really cast. Uh, I think without both t- titles being on the line, everyone was like, oh, well, you know. Well, people would be convinced as to who was going to win but the both titles being on the line has really made people second guess things and i love going into an event having no fucking clue who's going to come out on top yeah and new, J- new japan love cop and they love his like their his legitimate background i mean historically and traditionally that's the thing that new japan pro wrestling just gobbles up yeah. so i i could totally see them having him win this, win the Never title and come over and be a major player in Japan. Yeah, the two things I was going to bring up that's been discussed there is definitely the uh, the main event scene um, does need freshening up, and, and we'll talk about the the RH title match later on, um, but I think that Cobb is, is absolutely going to be part of that scene um, going forward. Mm-hmm. Um, whether it be now or be later on in the year with stuff that we'll talk about. And the thing that I was going to talk to you about there, Alan, is in terms of 
uh, New Japan's perception of Jeff Jeff Cobb and, and what they see with him in the future. Um, and I could absolutely see him being, um, you know, uh, Jeffrey Two Belts um, and and being kind of pushed in that way. But at the same time, you could see that with, with Osprey as well and, and his um, kind of slow ascendance up the ladder. Because um, I was thinking to myself, well, they could take the belt off of, uh, of Osprey and get him ready for... Um, the the G1 kind of later in the year, but at the same time, both of these uh, gentlemen could be in the G1. That that's not a, a crazy yeah. shout to to make. Um, so I do think that uh, Jeff is going to lose because I do think that his his future is uh, is kind of up a uh, further up the card in in the main event scene. Um, but either way, I think this is a, a, a very good chance of being one of the matches of the weekend and definitely one of the matches of this show. Um, a match that I don't think will be one of the matches of the weekend or one of the matches of the show. Uh, Roosh versus Dalton Castle. Uh, Dalton is um, playing a, a kind of a, a bit of a losing streak gimmick at the moment. Uh, Roosh is very much playing a winning streak as he has been undefeated since his arrival in Ring of Honor. Um, Roosh is someone that I also think is is uh, I project to be kind of in the. Uh, upper tier main event scene um, throughout the year uh, or some point in the year. Uh, Dalton, who hasn't looked as bad as he has in terms of um, his injuries, and God bless him for still wanting to go out there and, and put on the performances he can, considering his considerable laundry list of injuries at this point. Um, but I do see this being a relatively painless and quick victory for, for Roosh. Maybe. Maybe not literally painless. Maybe not literally painless, no. Um, I don't know how much you two have seen of, of Dawson since he's returned from his injuries uh, mm. and his loss of the Orange title last year. He's had a couple of performances here and there where he's he's looked a bit like the Dawson of old, but there is a significant difference between um, you know the Dawson that won the, the Orange title to the one that lost it. Yeah, I, like, I was... I, I loved Dalton Castle pre laundry list of injuries that you mentioned. I was I was hugely into the character, hugely into the bit. Um, but as you said, kind of since he's returned, apart from fits and starts, he's he's a shadow of his former self uh, in a lot of ways. And you know, if I had that laundry list of injuries, I probably wouldn't get out of fucking bed in the morning, let alone wrestle at Madison Square Garden. So I can't really <laughs> throw too much shade at him over that. But, uh, yeah, this is... Look, maybe he'll kind of push through the pain barrier and put in a performance against Rouge, but I'm not... This isn't a match I'm, I'm looking forward to too much, and that's partly just because of how much I really used to love Dalton Castle and kind of how sad it is by comparison now, because you can see... You could visibly see him in pain with some of the things he does in his matches now. Yeah, the uh, the Osprey match where he was trying to hang with Will was like admirable, but it was you could tell it was killing him to try and do a Will Osprey style match. Just the intensity and everything about it, it was just it was just seemed so tough for him, understandably so. Yeah, and I have again I have all the credit in the world for what he's trying to do, but there is part of me that's like, would you just take? Like another year off, or how six months, or something, can and and try and and work through. Um, I not guess work through in terms of, of wrestling, but just in terms of actually just trying to kind of 
sort the issues out. But sorry, as you were saying, Dave. I guess that that's just the downside of the the kind of boom wrestling has been in um, outside of WWE since 2016 is that no one wants to take time off because no one wants to miss the kind of the crest of a wave that a lot of independent companies are on at the moment and like there's obviously because there's such a kind of power grab for any free agents in in wrestling at the moment Dalton Castle is probably keenly aware that the more time he misses the more people are going to be signed and pass him by um, so it's kind of like it's a kind of damned if you do, damned if you if you don't sort of thing. Yeah, yeah, I think you're right, and I I, I do think that he's been trying, um, he's been taking steps to to keep like his relevance, like he has his YouTube channel um, that he's been pretty active with, and um, is is fairly enjoyable. Um, but I think the thing with this, um, I expect Roosh to, to win. I think that goes without saying. Um, now, my my uh, you know level of knowledge when it comes to, to Lucha Libre and CMLL and, and AAA is, is fairly limited. It's one of the areas of wrestling that I don't pay that much attention to. <clears throat> um, and I'm... I'm not sure on on yours as well, Alan. But like in terms of Roosh, in terms of being in North America, in terms of being a part of Ring of Honor, you know, I know there was um, a lot of uh, companies that were looking at him to get his name on the dotted line. But uh, do you see Roosh Roosh as being um, a big part of Ring of Honor in in terms of just their kind of continuing upwards trajectory? And um, do you see a a title run in his future? Do you you think he's going to be a big player in Ring of Honor? I need to have seen more of his output there so far to to really speak on it accurately. But like, if you were to ask me this question on the day he signed, which is essentially kind of where I'm coming from on it, is... uh, Rush is a weird guy. He is a he is a weird wrestler in this era because he's not really a wrestler of this era. Um, he's a total throwback. Um, the majority of what he does in Mexico is it's very lucha, unlike say a Phoenix and Pentagon, who have basically been like the driving force of this new style of lucha libre, which is really heavily influenced by American independent wrestling and Japanese wrestling and it's like it's a hybrid like Roosh is is your lucha brawler slash charisma machine who will often have matches where he basically doesn't do anything other than like punches and kicks and hitting people with the beer cans and all kinds of stuff it's coolers and just yeah it's and he a lot of what he does just might seem weird to an american audience and look weird on an american show um but the intangibles that he has are the things that make a star his charisma his aura that he carries the way he presents himself like this guy has top heel written all over him um that language is an issue apparently he doesn't have great english but if you could find the right manager to kind of help him along with that until he gets comfortable enough to cutting effective promos in english then i think 
you could have a really good formula and I'd like to see them try something like that. So far has he been presented more as a face than a heel or he's, vice versa he's or pretty much a heel. Um Okay. Like I mean the the Rush Bandita match, um he was the the heel in that match, but it wasn't uh not you know, he wasn't a hundred percent going out there to break all the rules. He was very much, you know, tranquilo the the kind of naito uh, side of being a hill where yeah. he is on that side all sort of yeah yeah kind of um and i you know what you you say there about um the 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 factors in terms of his um inability to you know cut a, a full on promo in in english and it does kind of sound like he needs a, a, a zelina vega he is kind of like the it sounds more um typecasting racist and maybe it tends to be but like he's very much the the andrade of of ring of honor in terms of needing that that mouthpiece that kind of additional piece of the puzzle to to kind of fully complete him to put him to the to push him to the the next level yeah he certainly got the, the the presence like the physical charisma and he he has this kind of in the ways in which uh as alan said like he's a throwback and he's not uh, the, the the Penta and Phoenix version of Americanized Lucha we see nowadays, but in those ways that he is different, that makes him stand out now, uh, in a, in a funny kind of way. Uh, and if he had that, like you said, that that extra something, maybe it is a manager, or maybe it is kind of uh, making that extra leap with his with his own English to cut to cut promos. Um, to, but I will like, say this: he definitely stands out more here than he ever has in New Japan. Whenever I've seen him on any of those tours, like he's never. Yeah, he's never fit in New Japan. People forget he did the 2012 G1. Um, I do forget that. <laughs> yeah, he was in the 2012 G1, the one that Naito Naito got injured. He, Naito did his knee in a match against Roosh, and um, that was that was Okada's first G1. That was way back. And... Yeah, that was Okada Anderson finals, if I remember. Yep. Yeah. Indeed, and. Uh, He's done some tag leagues, done Fantastica Manias, and never really set the world on fire at all and didn't seem too interested in being there, just seemed to be having fun hanging out with his buddy Naito doing Tranquilo stuff. And yeah, it just it never really worked for me, him in Japan. And yeah. It but I it just... does it does seem more of a fit here for Ring of Honor, and partially that is due to um you know the way the roster is with Ring of Honor, Ring of Honor at the moment, but it's that kind of big fish, small pond type thing. I think with Rush at the moment, uh, where Ring of Honor is is kind of a good fit for him at this moment in time. Yeah, I am. Um, it's it's an interesting thing to follow. I'm, I'm it that match is like to me. I'm like that's a, a match that just stands out on this card as just not fitting with the quality of the rest of the card. Yeah. But then when I actually think about it, I'm like. I kind of am actually really interested in this match because I just want to see what it looks like and what the reactions like and how Roosh carries himself. Yeah, and... the big thing is I do want to see kind of the the reaction he gets from the crowd um, because again, this is Madison Square Garden and I'm just how over is he actually at this point or how over will he be at the end of this match? Because if they go out there and it's just it's a nothing match. Um, that's going to be, and there is a possibility of that, um, you know, bless Thornton, but he's just, he's not in a position where he can go out there and just bang out a four-star match like nothing. Um, and I do see this match as just being there purely for Roosh to get a victory over a former RH champion that can, does feel kind of expendable yeah. at this point. 
and to give the crowd the, the, the pop for Dalton's entrance as well yeah. in Madison Square Garden so but we'll see uh, moving on, um, the Women of Honor title match, uh, Mayu Iwatani against Kelly Klein. Um, I feel like these two have been kind of the prominent features of this division um, for a while now. And I have to be honest, it's been the part of Ring of Honor that I have paid the least amount of attention to. And considering every time that I read upon reviews of uh, matches involving uh, this particular title, it seems like I'm not missing out on much. So yeah. I don't feel like I'm um, a the most qualified to kind of give any kind of real sort of uh, preview on what this match will be or how good it will be. Um, uh, I just hope that uh, in this setting that maybe this can be the match to to uh, give this division a little bit more of a spark than it has had up to this point. Yeah, I, I would agree. Like, I would have very kind of limited exposure to the Women of Honor division lately because, again, very casual with Ring of Honor in general myself. But the couple of matches I've seen uh, involving these two hasn't really lit my world on fire. Um, so I, I don't know what to make of this. But, like, again, big stage, big weekend. If you're going to make a statement for the division, if you're going to have your banger of a match, now's the time to do it. What's happening with the with the Stardom guys? Uh, they did that little promo saying, what "Was it Kagetsu and um, Hazuki?" I think uh, basically were saying they were coming to Madison Square Garden, and I was expecting them to be in a match with Mayu Iwatani, and uh, then I saw this announced, and they're nowhere on the card. So I was like, "Okay, can't see them being in the Honor Rumble." So that seems yeah. a bit weird. Um, I've never seen Kelly Klein wrestle. I can't speak to her at all. I've seen Mayu Iwatani many times. She's incredible. One of the best wrestlers in the world. And if Kelly Klein is half decent, this should be a good match. You could say that for uh, prior times that these two have faced each other, but it just hasn't particularly clicked. So maybe it's just sometimes people just don't have chemistry. You know what I mean? Try as they might. Uh, And that may be a case of that. Um, but yeah, I don't have much to say on this one. Um, but fingers crossed, this could be the, the, the misogyny. Thing. Mark strikes yeah, again. Here he is. Here he is. I said nothing of the sort. Fuck you. Uh, okay, <laughs> match number five: Bully Ray versus to be announced in a New York City street fight. Uh, Bully Ray um, cut a pretty superb promo on uh, I think it was last week's television show. Uh, where he was talking about the fact that you know no one else on this card has has been a part of Madison Square Garden. He's main evented Madison Square Garden. He's a god in Madison Square Garden. Uh, you know, just ticking all the boxes you'd expect of a kind of typical heel promo. But it was very well done, and it's it's really the kind of perfect thing for him to cut come out, um, cut a similar promo in front of this audience, and then for someone the likes of a Suzuki to come out, choke him in ninety yeah. seconds, and we'd be on a merry way. Um, um, a lot of people yeah, were. This think- is this is the the angle Taz match from Royal Rumble. Yeah, a lot of people were thinking that this was going to be a spot for Flip Gordon. Uh, Flip uh, injured his knee again in the. Was it Belfast? The OTT show. Yeah, Belfast? against uh, David Starr. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so he's gone 
for another six months or so. Um, I don't think that that was going to be the case because they had that blow off at Final Battle in that um, you know circa nineteen ninety. Yeah, it would have it would have seemed like it would have seemed like a retread, pretty much. But I could have seen it as well uh, as a way to kind of bring Flip back and um, you know give him a victory in front of that crowd and kind of you know make his presence known again um the two names that do seem to get thrown around are ishii and suzuki uh both i think could have a fun brawl with a bully ray um but i'm also kind of hoping that this just doesn't go more than about 90 seconds because this show is fucking long enough as it is or maybe this is where great muta comes out and kills him in 90 seconds who the fuck knows <laughs> yeah. who the fuck knows anyone have yeah. anything further to add on this <laughs> is the introduction to this match going to be longer than the match itself that's the big question I, I, I mean that's all we need I don't know how well that got picked up on, on I, the it, speaker it, we, we heard it we... but that that's yeah. what we want right that's all we need uh, it would be like when I saw that suggestion I was like well that makes all the sense in the world <laughs> like it can't be anything else so. yeah. well the perfect version of this match is uh, Suzuki comes out the crowd saying Kaze DRA and uh, before the match even starts Bully Ray just taps out <laughs> he's just like nope sorry out of here and that's all we get <laughs> is Bully Ray's ego like like is his ego such that he might try to convince people that like this should be a competitive match and he just gets shut down um i don't think so i, I mean, could get the heat on him brother and uh you know it'll be all oh, really work him down he'll come up for the big comeback I, I we'll think... go like 12 we'll go like 23 and and you know it'll be i'll take the pile driver are you, are you talking cause... about bully ray or triple h here because i feel we've gone wildly <laughs> wildly of course no i think bully's smart enough to know um when a match needs to go fucking 25 minutes. I don't think Bully Ray is having a 25-minute match. He's in smart, but he's yeah. obviously got a hugely inflated, over-inflated ego of himself, or I mean, opinion of himself. He's a professional wrestler, so that doesn't come as the biggest surprise. <laughs> um, no, I, I don't think that this is going to go... Like, at the longest I could see this going, I don't know, maybe seven to eight minutes. Um, I, I don't think it would be any longer than that. It would be insane for it to, to go longer than that. Um... But yeah, I, I I could see I could see Suzuki. I could see maybe um, maybe I I think I've convinced myself in the great moods now. Um, the only thing I could see against Suzuki, I don't know, because he's doing the blood sport show. I want to say is it him and Lawler? Yeah, he is. Yeah, yeah. Um, so he him like, and Barnett. Him and Barnett. Barnett. Yeah. Sorry, yeah, Lawler was last year. Cold. Was that Riddle? I fucking Riddle last year. Yeah, yeah. Um, so he may just, As, and he was a replacement for Loki on that show. Yes, yeah, yeah now I remember. Um, so he may just kind of have that as his thing for the weekend. He may want to put his feet up. So I've, who knows? I, I either way, um, I think it's fair to say that Billy Ray has taken the loss here. Um, now, if if fucking like Ishii comes out and Billy Ray does the bubba bomb and pins him in two minutes, then I would agree with your sentiments that he has an overinflated ego. But I don't see that happening. Fucking imagine. <laughs> <laughs> now we're kind of rooting for that. I, I hope his overinflated sense of importance and ego is so big, so massive, that he like tries to turn into a shoot and tries to shoot on Minoru Suzuki. That would be fun. I would. I would enjoy that. That would be a thing I could uh, could get behind. That would be memorable. And only getting slapped about a bit. 
I know. I, I I can tell you, gentlemen. There, I I know there are certain people participating in WrestleMania weekend who who are uh, gearing up for their match to turn into a shoot. Um, but I would think this is probably an unlikely case. I all I can hope for is if Suzuki does come out, that Billy Ray decides to turn this into like a UWFI rules type match, and oh, we get the red and blue lights. Yeah, and. Yes. Um, that that little subtle hinge you gave there, Alan. Does that mean that uh, we're going to get a shoot between Thatcher and Arquette? Is that a scoop? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Tim, Tim is preparing. Oh, you never know what this guy might throw at me. He's wild. He's crazy. He's from Hollywood. You never know. I better be ready, Alan. <laughs> Match number He's a six. Former WCW <laughs> champion, you know. I mean, that's a prestigious belt, Alan. It's like the fourth or fifth time you've hijacked the show. Moving on, <laughs> match number impression. six on this like card. Good impression, at least. <laughs> the IWGP Junior Heavyweight oh. Championship is on the line as the champion Taiji Ishimori puts his belt up for grabs against both Dragon Lee and Bandido. Um, I've had, I've heard. A bunch of people complaining that this isn't a one-on-one one-on-one ma- match, uh, but fuck those people. This is three of the best junior heavyweights in the world. I think this match is going to be awesome. I cannot wait to watch this. I think this is just going to be uh, PWG styles le- levels of, of insane, and uh, I'm all for this. Yeah, this is the match that's going to have you jumping off the couch, whooping at <laughs> some of the shit you're going to see. I uh, yeah, I like. Sure, I know big shows you like the idea of having a big one-on-one match and you know uh not being overloaded with a multi-man affair but like you said fuck that this is gonna be awesome i i'm like normally the first person to complain about a big singles match or a big potential singles match being changed to a triple threat but for whatever reason in this instance it just doesn't bother me at all is it I because am... it's not actually in japan it's you know it's not like an official. Well, even if the, yeah, I I think that does help because I think the Japanese crowds are less accustomed to reacting to triple threats and knowing what to do with them, as we saw in King of Pro Wrestling. Yeah. But like anywhere in the world, I get bummed when I see something's a triple threat. That I think would be better served as any combination of the three as a singles match. But here, I honestly think I'm more excited for the triple threat than I would be any combination as a singles match. I just think mm. these three guys are perfect and the combination of them is perfect for a triple threat and that style of crazy creative high-flying all-action match and and it fits on this card because there's nothing else really like it on this card there's there's nothing else on this card that you look and be like okay that's going to be a crazy exhibition of flying and creativity because osprey is in there with luggage as we said um a, a human fridge in, in jeff cobb um so although a human fridge can do a standing shooting star of course yeah. Yeah. but you know it's not going to be that kind of match um although in terms of like people killing themselves i fully expect naito and abushi to do yeah i was that's exactly where it's going next like those two will, will kill themselves for sure in that like i'm expecting bumps. that fucking middle rope pole driver again just to you know yep. Yeah. Me too. Yeah. Me too. I, for sure, I see that. I, I can see that in Madison Square Garden. That top rope pile driver, middle rope pile driver. I I can picture it now as I close my eyes. But um, the uh, 
it's it's not going to be your like fast paced electric high spot match. You know, it's going to be slower and more building to these big spots and it'll probably have story and psychology to it too it, it, the the tag match has, has got a lot of kind of big guys in there so that's going to be more of a, a brawl and lumbering in a good way um so this is like this is the match that's the firework display on the show and and i think having it be a triple threat makes that more emphatic and yeah, I'm really excited for it. I'm hoping... Um, and I think Dragon Lee's winning, by the way. Really? Yep. Is is that um, a kind of foreshadowing of uh, possible future events and announcements to come? Um, I'm hoping, this is my fingers crossed scenario, that uh, Dragon Lee wins the IWGP Junior title. I hope he holds that through Best Super Juniors. And at Dominion in Osaka, he defends his title against the winner of Best Super Juniors, Hiromu Takahashi, who defeats Shingo Takahashi in the final. Three days before, because do you guys know the schedule? It's like Sumo Hall on a Wednesday, the final of Best Super Juniors, and then Osaka for Dominion on the Sunday. It's great. quite a week. Is so... (sighs) Like you know the, the the rumblings about Takahashi and when he's returning, like is there any kind of uh, clarity? Yeah, I the 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 feeling in the water makes it seem that to me, if he's not in Best Super Juniors, and if that whole week isn't built around Hiromu, I would be stunned. Because that seems like to return I, from that kind of injury to get thrown into that kind of tournament, I feel. I mean, feel no, kind of no on the better edge about man. That. Well, yeah, no better man to sign himself up for that. To well, return, he, he might. He might also um, maybe his return. Like I want his first appearance. Like I want him to reemerge in front of fans in Japan. But if he did it here at the Garden, it would get a huge pop, I'm sure. So. If he reemerged the garden and then he was kind of put on the Don Taku tour and kind of sort of knock the ring rust off matches, um, that that wouldn't shock me either. I like if he's fully ready to go right now and it's just, and he's just being held back, I I wouldn't be surprised. Yeah, I'm not sure if you would do the the return for this show or wait till like a, a crowd in Japan because um, I imagine the kind of that the emotional uh, reaction would be more uh, felt in in a in a Japanese Poignant. audience. There's there's yeah. a couple of Korokin shows coming up. Like they're kind of like nothing Korokin shows, just at the start of the next big tour. Um, like it feels like they're too small for it to happen on, but it almost feels like the perfect treat to Korokin. Like that's that's a Hiromu building um, and. He's one of the favorites there now, and I think that could, if he came back at Cork and um, in l- later in April, uh, I think that could be a really, really special moment. Yeah, I think, and considering um, coming off the back of the the finals of the Super Junior Tournament last year, um, yeah, I could see that being the the place to do it. Um, I guess it's going to have to happen at some point this year if he is in a place where he's clear to return. Um, I don't think I don't think Takahashi should be on this show in any incapacity. I but that's kind of throwing me off. I thought um, 
Ishimori was going to be uh, retaining. Um, I feel that the the Dragon Lee Hiromu thing. I don't know. Part of me thinks that that won't have a belt attached to it, but you can also make the argument that it will. Um, my big thing here is is Bandito. I like Bandito. I'm a big fan. Um, I have concerns about him in Ring of Honor, and again, part of this whole lifeblood thing where I feel that he's quickly just going to be lost in the shuffle because they're not, not going to have a clue what to do with him. So I'm, I'm happy that he has been um, thrown into this match because uh, he would have just as likely been part of the Honor Rumble otherwise. Um, and you know he's he was used as a stepping stone for for Roosh in uh, they were both undefeated and you know that was Bandido's first loss, um, which kind of shows the pecking order of where they see those two, um, and I don't see that changing anytime soon. So uh, I'm very happy Bandido's on this card in in this capacity, um, and I expect him to fucking go all out guns blazing. Uh, match number seven for, uh, I believe this is a winner-takes-all for your IWGP M Ring of Honor tag titles. Uh, this is a bit of a clusterfuck. We have the Gorillas of Destiny, Tamatonga and Tagalaya, uh, who are the IWGP heavyweight tag team champions. Uh, villain Enterprises of PCO and Brody King, your Ring of Honor as of time tag team champions, uh, against Evil and Sonada and the Briscoe Brothers. Um, I have no idea if this is first pinned to a fall, uh, I would guess it is, but then I don't know if this means that um, both belts will immediately go to whoever wins, or there will have to be uh, two deciding pinfalls for, for both belts. I have no fucking clue what this is going to be. Um, I expect this will be a, a, just an all-out uh, affair of shenanigans and clusterfuckery. Um, and I expect PCO to do a fucking swan dive onto the ring apron. After that, all bets are off. Anyone got anything to say about this one? I don't really have much to add. This is your kind of whole load of... Go this is going to be your big smoke and mirrors kind of crazy shit going on tag match with an awful lot of humanity in there. I, again, I have no clue what the situation with the tag belts and the falls is. Um, and based on that, I can't really pick a winner because I, I don't know. I have a question for you that, that might just blow your minds, guys. Do you think that at home, in his house, in Niigata, Japan, in 1994, a 11-year-old, 10-year-old, Sonata was watching Men on a Mission take on the Quebecers <laughs> at WrestleMania 10. Do, do you think he looked in the eyes of Quebecer Pierre and said, hey, buddy, one day, I'll see you in 25 years <laughs> in that building. I, I guess we should make a, a, a note of like, that. that. Think is, about that. It's <laughs> mental. It is completely insane that PCO... Um, is it's completely insane that PCO. Well, it's completely yes, there is that. But you know, one year removed from having his chest just fucking obliterated by uh Walter is now in a tag title match um for the we'll say second biggest promotion in North America at Madison Square Garden as part yeah. of Mania Weekend. With Brody King as part of a Marty Skrull stable. Like it's a, it's an insane statement. <laughs> 
it's it's one of the best stories like the PCO phenomenon like god bless Dylan Hales one of the most passionate people I've ever come across in, in wrestling fandom. I don't always agree with him on, on certain things, but there's no one that's as passionate as Dylan. And he made just yelling about PCO still having something in the tank, just a project that he was going to push and that he was going to, until he was blue in the face, let people know that there was something with this old man who most people had forgotten about. And he did it until people like Joey Janela took notice and um, decided to give give PCO the shot. And then he was given the perfect opponent to basically make him a star again on that night. And I was there, and it was special, Walter and PCO. Um, and there was a special feeling in that room of what was happening. And... A lot of people predicted it would be 15 minutes of fame and it would be fleeting. But this is where the credit goes to PCO. He has really hunkered down and worked as hard as anyone on the independent scene for the last 12 months to earn this Ring of Honor contract. And then once getting it, like when you'd completely expect him to slow down and just become, okay, he can be a novelty act and kind of just do very little and get away with it because he's a novelty act on this kind of Ring of Honor product which isn't necessarily like the Ring of Honor of old. You don't need every guy to be a Nigel McGuinness, Brian Danielson type, so he can be a novelty. Um, But no, he's just killing himself and taking more and crazier bumps than he was before he got there. He's an inspirational madman if ever there was one and um, like if you want to in your life do something stupid that everyone's telling you you shouldn't do and you just want to do it even though they and you know it's stupid you've got no better role model than PCO <laughs> he, he is he is something else I'm not and, sure uh, I want to be convincing people to have a role model with someone who wires himself <laughs> to car batteries but I guess each to their own I don't know if you want to like create the new version of Jackass or something, and uh, yeah, yeah, sure. Uh, he'd probably be a guy you should sign up and get on that show. But um, he's amazing, and uh, he deserves this more than anyone. Um, I went along there last year to New Orleans. I brought my 1993 Raw magazine um, with the with the Steiners versus Quebecers. Put, feature pull out in it and I sat down beside Carl and I had a great chat to him and he was so nice and quiet and humble and he was hood up and he was just so just unassuming and and just shy and and he was so like thankful for like me being enthusiastic about him having a match at Mania weekend and he was like delighted to sign my magazine and just the nicest guy and you could not it's such a happy story and I just hope he doesn't kill himself at some point. I mean, he's going wine. to. He, he, he yeah, will, I know. you know. Um, yeah. yeah, it's great, and it's bizarre. And we need to find out. I'll put a tweet out, but has any other wrestler wrestled in Madison Square Garden 25 years apart? Like, Bruno would be the obvious one, but yeah. 25 years is a long time. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to see if I can figure that out. You, you, you work away. Okay, um, the only other thing of note in this match, I think, is uh, uh, Sonata. 
um, <laughs> the aforementioned after that uh, wonderful story, uh, coming off the back of his um, what I think is is fair to say one of his best performances in the uh, New Japan Cup Finals against Okada. Um, I'm not going to say this is a complete fall from grace straight away after that, um, because it's you know only a week if that removed from um, that show, but certainly he has just does feel kind of lumped into this multi-man tag match and um, I don't know how much kind of foresight could have been put into what to do with him but you know Gato thinks everything out a year in advance if not more so um, I don't know I don't feel like they're going to be prominent in terms of the the end result of this match Um, who knows what the the next year or two has in line for Sonata whether next year will be his year to win the New Japan Cup as he's gone from, I think it's the quarterfinals to semifinals to finals. Um, but it does seem at least kind of somewhat interesting that it's gone from um, being in the finals to being in here and not really having you know a kind of key prominent role on this card. Um, I don't know if you, Alan, have anything to that or it's just, it's just hey, he's got to be put on the card in some capacity here, here this is what we'll do with it. Well, I do think as far as his outlook, I think they're really planting the seeds for a big Okada-Sonata rivalry. Um, and it's now, I think, six matches he hasn't been able to beat Okada in. And if you watch Okada's promo after winning the New Japan Cup and his backstage promo, it really planted the seeds for this being the start of something bigger with those two. Mm. So I, I would say that... With Sonata, he's coming off something really big, and he's got really big stuff in front of him. But at this point, he can kind of wait in the weeds for a little while. You've got Dantaku or yeah, the Dantaku tour coming up, and then Best Super Juniors. He can, if if they put the titles back on him and Evil and build to them defending the tag titles at Dominion, I could totally see that. Because they've had two runs of the belt now, and I've expected both of them to be the first time in a while where they've had kind of two relatively biggish, um, like singles stars, um, have a run with the tag belts, um, and and neither of them felt lengthy enough or prominent enough to kind of really, you know, um, make the tag belts feel like a kind of key prominent feature of um, of the shows. So. I don't know. I I feel like this one, in terms of who the belts go on, is a complete roll of the dice, other than Lij. Um, I kind of want to see PCO as an IWGP Tag Team Champion and <laughs> to roll into uh, Corican Hall or the likes. Um, but who the fuck knows? Anyone got a, a, a wild guess on who's going to win this? I'll go Evil Sonata. Uh, PCO via car battery. <laughs> okay, match number eight. Um, your representation from Rev Pro Wrestling, the big Andy Q getting back into uh, these big new Dream Factories on tour, baby. I'll tell you what. Zack Super Jr. puts his British Heavyweight Championship on the line against Hiroshi Tanahashi um, in what, you know, I consider as, as this now the kind of Wrestle Kingdom part of this card uh, what a match what a match to put on this show uh, yeah. and fair fucks to Zach because I remember seeing Zach in the Brock Spawn Civic Hall way back when um, 
I remember going on the road with Alan to fucking Sittingbourne in Kent in a, a tiny little hall that fit, you know, 200 people was him and Marty. In the snow. In the snow. Um, I'm pretty sure it was those two against, I want to say, was it Mikey Whiplash, I think? It um, was a, um, it was a round robin. It was, uh, it was the uh, Peligro Habeas, the Danger Bees. Uh, <laughs> it was, um, uh, the All-Stars, yeah, Mikey Whiplash and, um, Robbie, Dyn- Robbie Dynamite. And, uh, it was the Leaders. Uh, and now here he is uh, on Madison Square Garden against, you know, the ace. Um, now, these two have had interesting matches in the past, and their chemistry is... I don't know. I, I feel it, it's kind of hit and miss. Uh, I I really enjoyed the um, Intercontinental Championship Defense match. Um, and I think... I can't remember if it was last year. Was it the G1 or was it the, the New Japan Cup? I can't remember which match it was, but they had one match last year as well that was that I really enjoyed. I didn't think much of their their New Japan match, uh, the New Japan Cup match this year. Um, but uh, you know, I, I feel like Tanahashi kind of picks and chooses where to have those big matches at this point, and I can't really blame him for it. But I think on this night in front of that crowd, uh, I, I think that this. You know, this is going to be just an all-out affair. Uh, I think that this could be... You know, there are a number of matches on this this card that could be matched at night, but I think that, uh, you know, you can never bet on, against Tanahashi to to pull out, you know, something incredible. I'll go to, I'll... I'll go to you first, Dave. Yeah, it's just, just to echo what you say, like, it, it, it is... It, it's kind of still, even though he's been a New Japan mainstay for a while now, it is still kind of surreal seeing Zach, uh, who you've seen and I've seen in much smaller venues over the years, uh, be in such a marquee match on a Madison Square Garden show. It's, it's fucking wild. And like, uh, as well as that, just the, the constant like, Andy Q managing to get that belt defended on a huge marquee show is another like stroke of genius for a nice bit of billboard advertising for Rev Pro there. But um, yeah, really looking forward to this match. Even though, as you said, like it can be a bit the the, the chemistry does waver between the two of them at some sometimes. But you you really can't bet against old Tana in the Garden, can you? No, uh, Alan. What do you what do you think about this? I think that uh, I've just seen um, uh, James Mason say that, uh, or as Andy Boy Simmons actually said, that if James Mason beats Zack Sabre Jr. today at Rev Pro, will it be Hiroshi Tanahashi versus James Mason at Madison <laughs> Square Garden? It is a, let me see, it is a, yeah, it is an undisputed British heavyweight championship match. James Mason versus uh, uh, Tanahashi. I, I gotta say, and I, I see. Uh, Alan Blackstock retweeting that and saying, honestly, it would be a better match. Zack Sabre Jr. and Tana never click. And I've seen that sentiment, but I disagree. I feel there was one match of their four that it just didn't click, and that was the second one they had, uh, the, t- the Intercontinental title match they had in late 2017. 
that one was just weird for whatever reason that was like just the first match that either man the first singles match that either man had in like five years that had disappointed and uh it was oddly enough with each other and i don't know what happened there but their first match in the g1 zach's first g1 that was amazing that was a great match their second match or their third match the new japan cup final last year that was really great and then the match they had the other week okay uh, i that's fair enough people weren't going wild on it but i thought it was still a a really good match and i think those two in the garden on this kind of stage you know they're going to be trying to have the best possible match that they can have with each other and i think we're going to see something really special between those two I think there's going to be some amazing near falls with Zach's uh, bridging pins. I think um, we're going to see Tanahashi try to utilize some of those himself like he did in the, the New Japan Cup to get his victory over Zach. And I think that will create some cool moments of suspense. I think we're going to see a lot of cool stuff in this. And I can absolutely see uh, Andy Hugh deciding to you know add a little bit more legacy to the British Heavyweight Championship and putting the fucking thing on Hiroshi Tanahashi. Because why wouldn't you if you can? Am I, yeah, am I mad for thinking absolutely. that? No. <laughs> that, is, that, that is something I would do. If Tanahashi I had a belt selling out York Hall against fucking... To have a little rain. That would be, yeah. I, I want to see a Tanahashi Shaw Samuels match for that belt in York Hall. Yeah. <laughs> Dream match because I'm that kind of monster. Um, yeah, I'm I'm going with Tanahashi. I you know Zach can pick that belt back up at any point. Um, and so fuck it, why not have Tanahashi Madison Square Garden with that kind of uh, that kind of victory? Anyone want to disagree with me on that? Uh, James Mason via roll up. <laughs> You've heard it here first. Mark, do you remember us watching James Mason in in Wolverhampton against uh, against Bobby Fish, I believe? Funnily enough, that match has completely passed me by at this point. It's it's not within my uh, my memory. I have to keep I have to keep some space for every pay per view main event that WWE have hosted since two thousand to <laughs> now. So something has to go by the wayside. Monster. <laughs> Excuse me, guys. I got to go catch a spider. Um, to, uh, high ammo. <laughs> Well, while Alan goes to catch a spider, Dave Ryan, Tetsuya Naito, the IWGP Intercontinental Heavyweight Champion. What a moment for Alan to leave. I know, right? He'll be back. He'll be back. Uh, He will defend against Kota Ibushi. Uh, This match was made after Ibushi uh, defeated Naito in the first round of the New Japan Cup in a match that was completely fucking insane, as all of their matches usually are. I think back to... um, I believe it was the opening night. It was either day one or day two of the uh, the G1 last year, which included the aforementioned uh, middle rope pole driver. And it shouldn't come as a surprise that a match involving Ibushi would involve a fucking move like that. Although I believe it was him that was actually doing the move. Um, Naito's kind of in a weird spot. He's sort of in, in he's treading water. He's in a holding uh, pattern until, you know, they, they get that, direction for him and Okada for the Dome next year. I think it goes without saying that's where they're going. Um, it seems kind of pointless for, it, for him to have the Intercontinental Belt at this point. It doesn't add anything to him. He doesn't need it. He's above it. Uh, I think this is a perfect spot for Ibushi to win that. 
um, and uh, I, I just, yeah, I think it makes the most sense to do that, uh, and I expect that these two are going to just... It concerns me. It does concern me what uh, these two are capable of. Well, well, that's the thing is like, I, you know, on this card that has the likes of, say, like a Dragon Lee or, or Will Ospreay, who I've seen do many crazy things that have made me shriek. I don't think anything we will see up to this point on the card will be in the same universe of insane uh, and uh taunting death at the face as what these men will attempt to the, the sort of crimes these men will perpetrate upon each other in this match um, I'll be watching this one through gritted teeth I think for these men's necks hello oh hello Sarah hello, hello, Sarah. <laughs> hello guys I was listening patiently for a while I wanted to interrupt but I needed the right spot to interrupt um, did the spider so, kill Alan um, I don't know I haven't seen the spider but he's running around the house um, god damn this is my favourite running ever um, I, I just have some very important business I need to discuss. Um, have you come to tell us promise... your thoughts on Tetsuya Naito versus Kota Ibushi? No. Oh. No, no, no. Well, who do you think is going to win that match anyway? Uh, Kota Ibushi. I, I agree with that. Yeah. I'm basing that purely on because I like him more and I haven't watched New Japan in about a year. And he's, he's but... a very handsy man, but still. He anyway. is a handsome man. Yeah. Um, but down to business, okay? So I made a promise, and I know this has nothing to do with you two fine gentlemen. I okay. made a promise about a year and a little bit ago to a certain Mr. Be Cool, the wrestler, when he recorded <laughs> the intro um, the uh, intro for the Voices of Wrestling for our podcast, that if any other Irish podcasts were going to be added to the network, they would also use the same intro. And... Mark, I know you've done an intro yourself for the Brit Rest Roundtable people, but you can't really have your own intro on your own show. I mean, plus, that is absolutely something I could do, but I wasn't planning on. Yeah, but you live in Ireland now, so you're one of us. If this is my us. way, if this is my way to a get an Irish citizenship and b get in that passport, I will absolutely do this. It's not not the way to get it. I, I yeah. haven't seen anything on the the website about you know have be cool be in the introduction for your podcast and. Irish passport, it's all yours. But, I mean, fuck it. Crazy things have happened. So, just so you know, that is something that I promise be cool, and you'll be breaking my promise to be cool if you don't use his intro. Well, I, I can't be having that now, can I? Yeah, I guess I need to file. Though I love, the, I love the fact that this would be for a Ring of Honor podcast, that we would be using <laughs> Be Cool's introduction. Perfect, it's perfect. It is, it is. Why? I love Why it. the fuck not? Excellent. Um, I let you guys get in, get back to discussing the wrestling. I'm going to go have my cereal and work on my college project. <laughs> Bye, Sarah. Bye, guys. Alan's Bye. still running around. I don't know what's going on, but he'll be back soon. <laughs> Bye. Bye. Oh boy, this this is you know what for anyone who's listened to this for the first time as they're kind of well, this obviously is the the inaugural episode of this. Um, I can't promise that it's going to be this level of uh, insanity and chicanery each week, but I will do my hey, best. But like, it's it's like the it's like all good like spin-off pilots on a network that it's got run-ins from the characters you already know. That's true. So like, you have Alan on the show uh, already, and then you have a run-in from another uh, another podcast in the podcasting family. Seen as she didn't plug it herself, listen to Wrestling Around the World with the Two Sarahs, an excellent podcast um, available here. So yeah, that's my bit of shilling I mean, done. She I didn't show my I didn't I didn't show my own podcast. Well, yet, you can wait but till I the end for that. Sarah's. And in fairness, she will yeah. probably you know that 
podcasts will always have more listen listeners than this. But uh, I yeah, mean, it's it's got two Sarahs. It's, you know, exactly, what, what, this show has no Sarahs. Um, yeah. So yeah, Naito and, and that's Bucci. your fault. Really. That is my fault. That is absolutely <laughs> my fault. Um, yeah, Dave. I'm back, gentlemen. <laughs> hey, we when Sarah came on, we actually thought the spider had won. She came on to She came on to inform you of my uh, death by at the hand of the spider. Yeah, it kind of put me off because she was very chipper about it. I was like, well, I guess Alan <laughs> did the job to the spider. Uh, um, Alan, talk to me about yes. Tetsuya Naito and Kota Ibushi. We we've kind well, of briefly mentioned over um, their the way this match was set up with the New Japan Cup victory for Ibushi. Uh, I, I mentioned the G1 match last year where um, these two men tried to murder each other, and I expect more of the same. Well, like this is the boy, isn't it? This is this is the match of WrestleMania week. This is this is the one that's like okay, if you're to pick a match that we'll be talking about in late December as a 2019 match of the year. Is there a more of a banker candidate for that than Kota Ibushi versus Tetsuya Naito? I mean, what on earth are these two guys going to like Naito has a, has a history and a pattern of just phoning it in something fierce on his international excursions. But I do not see that carrying over to this show in any way, shape, or form. And Kota Ibushi doesn't know the meaning of the word phoning it in. A uh, platform like this for that guy, phew, it's this match could be it could be right there at the level of the the Omega uh, Tanahashi Okada Naito classics that we've seen and talked about over the the last couple of years on G1s and Wrestle Kingdoms and all that jazz, Dominions. This could be and I may be setting the bar too high, but this could be like the the first big special match of the decade style New Japan match of 2019 because we haven't really had one yet. It's like the Dome had some really good stuff on it. Um Ishii and Okada, I thought, was probably the best New Japan match of this year for me from the New Japan Cup. But, I mean, that didn't feel like that epic, super classic level that we've had in 2017 and 2018 with several matches. And I think this is this is the big candidate on, the, on this show for it. And um, I think the crowd will be hot for it. I think, it, yeah, I, I just... I just see this being amazing. And I, I I think this is on the right side of the ladder match because I think after the ladder match stunt show with all the, the ladders, um, maybe the crowd might not might take a while to get into these two guys having just a normal match, at least how it starts out. Um, but I think because they're going before the ladder match, they won't have to worry about that and they'll just have this crowd from the from the opening. I think this will be a moment where these guys come out and the crowd are like, okay, here we go. This is big. There'll be a buzz in the building. Yeah, I think it'll carry through the whole match. And yeah, I think we're this is this is my betting favorite for for match of the weekend for sure. And as I was talking about why you were chasing a spider, um, I think that with uh, I, I feel... also ended up emptying a toaster. Did the spider go into the toaster, or was this no, an unrelated affair? The toaster was burning, and there was smoke coming out of the toaster when Sarah was was cooking waffles in the toaster, and it was because there was uh, uh, lots of debris down the bottom of the toaster. So I uh, I took care of that while she was talking to you. 
Look at you multitasking. God bless you. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I did kill the spider, by the way. I good. feel bad about it. Um, murder live on air. This is uh, We're really ticking all the boxes for this first episode. Yeah. Um, an action-packed pilot. Man. Yeah, I know, right? Misogyny, murder, <laughs> getting all the M's in here. What other, what other M's could get us cancelled? Definitely Mark. Definitely Mark. <laughs> yeah. Definitely. I'm getting in that one before and you do. Um, so... Naito, I feel that like the Intercontinental Belt is he's way above that at this point, and I think that with all signs pointing towards him and Okada at the dome, uh, I think it would be a fair shout to say this is where Ibushi can pick up this belt, and then Naito can move on to, you know, preparing for the G1. Yeah. Uh, uh, my question on a scale of absolutely to definitely happening: How much is Kota Ibushi going to moonsault off those famous doors and? <laughs> Madison Square Garden. He has definitely been watching his Rumble 2000 tapes. Oh, he needs to moonsault off the car. Yeah. <laughs> Which is still there, obviously. Yeah. Oh my god, I I hadn't even thought about that. I so hope they use that part of the, the runway as their uh, entrance instead of like a kind of typical... Although, to be fair, for, for New Japan and Ring of Honor, that probably doesn't have as much like... Of an yeah, icon- iconic like a normal show. Yeah, it's pretty, pretty <laughs> fucking normal, actually. So... Uh, um, yeah, not if I... you put a feckin' taxi over there. <laughs> I'll throw a cat amongst the pigeons. I don't oh, think man, Sinclair are going to fund for that. And you're opening the show with the rumble, like that's just like flipping thing, the bird. Yeah, they'll reincarnate Mae Young and bring her out. And... Good lord! At that point, I'm going to move swiftly along <laughs> to what I feel is. Really, the kind of most important match that we we have to talk about uh, in regards to this uh, specific podcast, um, the Ring of Honor World Heavyweight Championship match will be defended in a three-way ladder match um, with the champion Jay Lethal, the challengers Marty Skull and Matt Taven. Uh, there's a few things we can talk about in regards to this match. Uh, first of all, in terms of how do we get here? So Lethal's been champion for, um, I want to say about nine to ten months. He beat Dalton Castle in a four-way last year. Uh, and he's been, you know, defending the belt. And he's been running with this uh, belt in very much kind of carrying the company on his back. Uh, something similar he was doing to the end of his last run. Uh, and I enjoy Lethal. I enjoy his matches. And some people seem to think he's a bit dry. Some people seem to think he's a bit hit or miss. But um, for what they've needed... Um, because of the lack of main event talent that they have. I think he's been um, running with that role very well. Uh, I wonder is it more a case of fatigue than anything else, just that possibly. he has been around so long and there's so many shiny new toys that, that people kind of lean more towards that than the old reliable? It, I think there's certainly something to that. I think that people have been waiting for um, Marty Scale to be to be pushed into that picture to take the belt from him um, and yeah. we've been trying to kind of uh, have the conclusion to this Lethal Taven storyline that's been going on since the time around when Lethal actually won the belt um, but we had uh, Marty Skull won Survival of the Fittest 2018 last November I want to say uh, and he kind of cashed in his opportunity here at Madison Square Garden and then we had uh, Taven who has been running with this kind of self-proclaimed rural world champion um, after not getting a uh, title match with uh, Dalton Castle because he had to, uh, that match was cancelled due to the injuries Castle had at the time uh, and, and Taven's been uh, he was 
I think he had a visual pinfall in the the four way match where Lethal won the belt. I want to say, uh, and then that kind of came to a head with the seventeenth anniversary uh, match where they they went the distance. They did the one hour Broadway uh, in a match that, considering it had Jay Lethal and Matt Taven, uh, was a lot better than uh, a. I think that match had any, had any right to be, uh, and b that more so than anyone was expecting. Um, but I thoroughly enjoyed that match, and it's definitely one of those matches that. Um, got better the longer it went on. Uh, I, there was a lot of drama with that match involved, and definitely, I think, to this point, uh, one of the best matches Matt Taven has ever had. Now, my issue with this match uh, is I feel that there is kind of a, a lose-lose-lose scenario, here, regardless of who wins this match. I think that if Lethal wins, as mentioned, the fatigue is there, uh, and I think that just we're kind of carrying this on until we get to where we actually want to get to. I think if Taven wins, I feel feel that the jury is still out on him. I believe he's kind of in this position only because, um, again, that aforementioned lack of main event talent, and he's kind of been put here because we don't really have a lot of other people to pick from at the moment. Though he has proven himself a little bit more, certainly with that one-hour match. And Skull, I think everyone expects him to win this match, but I feel that him winning in this capacity as compared to just beating lethal one-on-one um and you know just taking the belt from him in a kind of just clean one-on-one fashion this there is a level of importance and there's a level of you know accepting him as the real world champion that is lost Mm -hmm. by having him have to win the belt in a ladder match but and I, I think the the questions over how long he is for Ring of Honor going forward as well, well um, yeah. kind of cast some doubt on things. I feel that it is a case of just get the belt on him and then get prepared for whoever, whether it be Jeff Cobb or Roosh or whoever, is going to be you know that next step. I, I definitely still see Skull as that transitional champion, but I think mm. that while they do have him and he is the most over-commodity in the company, they should probably put the belt on him and give him that run. Yeah, At least, I guess, then, <clears throat> whoever beats beloved Marty Skrull for the belt will um, get a big push off of that, you know? Yeah, and that's why I think that it the, the importance of Skrull beating Lethal in a one-on-one capacity has more impact um, than winning mm. it in a three-way, which is what kind of makes me think that Lethal may retain here, and then they do Lethal and Skull like next month? Um, but that's kind of me thinking that they should do that one-on-one match. Um, but I don't know, and I worried, and that means that they'll continue with this Taven being screwed out of not getting, you know, his deserved one-on-one match. Um, I don't know. I expect these three are going to go out there and just fucking go balls to the wall um, because you know, Ring of Honor's. Uh, presence on this show this is only the the real kind of the big thing you know um the rest of the matches the only other kind of like straight up ring of honor one-on-one matches fucking roosh and dalton castle so um this is where they need to really kind of play their their ace card and 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 pull out all the stops and that concerns me because i i worry that these three are gonna um go a little bit too far because it is a ladder match um i don't know give me your thoughts and feelings um, first of all, on that Taven Lethal match, it's a good thing they didn't have it as an Iron Man match because no one would have watched it. No, they no, the, the way they, they surprised everyone with yeah, that. Yeah, the way they did that, I think, was the best way to approach that. Um, I like, 
I don't know when I when I realized that like oh yeah hey it's 25 years since Mania 10 ladder match significance that kind of made me cooler with the idea of this match like be, to be perfectly honest this, uh, I'll have an eye on it I'm not invested in it at all um, I just I, I'll it'll be between the two matches I care a ton about at the top of this card yeah. and I'll I'll watch it I'll if they put on a really entertaining spectacle match and the crowd is with them for it, I will uh, give them mad props because they are certainly in fear, in amongst some fierce competition. And um, yeah, I I'm looking for. I'm, I'm glad it's on here. I, it will be something different on the show, but I have no emotional attachment or excitement for it. Yeah, I'm the I'm the same. Like I I like Jay. Um, always have done. Um, I kind of my 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 interest on in Marty has generally cooled quite a bit over the last year year and a half. I would say. Um, although that's that like that is completely at odds with Ring of Honor, where he is a huge deal to Ring of Honor regulars and fans. Um, and then Matt Taven for me is just a thing that's never going to happen personally like I'm, I'm never really going to be into him that much so kind of as alan said like it it, it stands the, the risk of being lost in the shuffle here um of the bigger matches on the card but the the ladder match stip and if these guys come into it with the right attitude um i, I think this could be a, a fun little match yeah and i as mentioned i think that the way that they've put this match together, I think, like, you know, everything about this match and the fact that it exists, I think is completely, um, it's logical. Um, all all the, the, the aspects of it and the permutations coming together, it all makes sense while this, why this match is happening. But I do think that I would have just gone straight with the, the one-on-one Lethal and Skull. Um, and I definitely think that for those people that are going to be here that are in that bubble of, of the elite, and um, followed that part of wrestling. Um, those that were are still, you know, going to be here. You know, Marty Skull is a part of that whole thing, and I think that him having his crowning moment would have been a, a pretty monumental um, moment for them, and that could still possibly happen. Um, but I think that I don't know that one-on-one dynamic, and I could see that them doing a uh mania 13 heart austin uh kind of swap of of the hill face dynamic um which i think they would have seen coming in maybe that's why they decided to go with the three-way i don't know um but i feel they're saying that's been lost by making this the a ladder match with the three involved instead of just the one-on-one mm. um and so they, but it does put it up in the air because uh, i think that they could keep lethal with the belt till next month at the same time, I think they just need to get the fucking thing on scale now, sooner than later, so they can get ready for wherever they're going next uh, to try and put some kind of emotional resonance into it. Because that is what—that is the one thing I think that's fair to say that the difference between these two heavyweight title matches uh, is there's there's a level of emotional investment that just isn't there with this as compared to the the next match that we're going to talk about. Yeah, I'd agree. So finally, uh, for the the main event, um, Jay White, the champion, IWGP heavyweight champion, puts the belt on the line in his first defense against Kazuchika Okada, who won the New Japan Cup. 
Uh, these two have been going back and forth in this rivalry for quite a while now, uh, including um, a fantastic match and a brilliant end to that match at Wrestle Kingdom this year with Jay White picking up that win. That um, People thought that he could win that match, but no one figured he'd win the match in the way that he did. Um, and there have been a lot of detractors and naysayers of Jay White, and a lot of it, as mentioned, is that he's likely in this role due to uh, Kenny Omega leaving to go to AEW. Um, as mentioned uh, elsewhere, I don't think this is you know the, the, this isn't the definitive run of Jay White as champ. Um, he's going to have runs down further down in his career, um, but they were to some degree forced into the situation with Omega leaving I do think you'd have had Omega and Okada as the match on this show as the main event if Omega was still around um, but here we are uh, and I think that this is it's going to be you know I think it goes without saying Okada wins we have that crowning moment at the end the end of Madison Square Garden the end of this show uh, the, the rain the, the money falling down Okada with his arms out title strapped around his waist uh, yeah, I, I, I don't see any other scenario. But then again, it's Jay White, and I could easily see him pulling a Blade Runner out of nowhere and telling everyone to go fuck themselves. Yeah, because that's that's where I'm coming from as well. In that, like, God, for that they are, as Alan said at the start of the program, like they are really getting behind Jay at the moment, and I would worry a bit, at least in the short term, what happens if you beat him in his first defense. But also, it's Okada, so I. I I, I really don't know. No, I, I don't think it harms Jay to lose in this spot one iota. I'm very strong in that opinion. I, I think the setting, the occasion, the opponent, the timing, it, it, to me, he's already been cemented at a tier above what he was, and he's yeah. a made guy going forward. I think he, this is Okada all the way for me. I, I can't see any other option and uh yeah it's um it's gonna be pretty great i think uh it's i think a lot of it hinges on the crowd for me like if the crowd just get really into having a heated atmosphere and being pro okada i think it could be a special match if the crowd are going to be all just the worst of what you kind of would expect from a wrestlemania weekend touring crowd and decide to to shit on the match and maybe start chanting we want kenny or something like that which would any of us be shocked um if that happened um because all it takes is like 10 jerk offs to start that and then like you'll have a hundreds more chime in and then it'll be a thing and that the match is essentially dead at that point so i think a lot hinges on the crowd here if the crowd if the crowd are with it and if they hate jay white and will and will want him to lose and support Okada because of that and create a great atmosphere, then this could be an amazing main event um, because these two guys are such incredible professional wrestlers. But I just have that fear in the back of my mind that this is going to end on a depressing note because of the fans. Uh, from my perspective, and like, hey, I'm, who am I to tell fans what they can do when they go to show? I'm not saying they can can should shouldn't all i'm saying is for me that's a fear that that could be something that happens that ruins my enjoyment of this match um <clears throat> that is a fair a fair point um 
I don't know. It's it's hard to you can't kind of accurately determine what the makeup of uh, a crowd will be. Um, no, you 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 definitely can't. But yeah, there is a there is a um, stigma to kind of like your WrestleMania touring fan base. This is true. If yeah. they're a throw in a, a healthy <laughs> dose of uh, what we talked about earlier is potential resentment to the elite not being on this show, and you never know. Now, the only thing I will say to that is that a Carter is too fucking good of a wrestler that that um, is that, that's the big thing it is going for yeah yeah is that w- would they kind of do that kind of thing and ruin the match when it's okada is in the, the other part like once they're fairly assured that okada will come out with his head his hand held high I, I, i'd like to think they'll be on board with it even if they are well, it's not even salty just, about the elite it's not even just that it's just the fact that he could turn this crowd around yeah. um without even you know um, them deciding, okay, we're bored of chanting about the elite now. I just, he's that good of a wrestler that he can turn this match around mm-hmm. um, as and when he chooses to. Um, but that, in a way, could also kind of add to the match. It could, you know, I expect that this entire um, show is going to have a very lively audience. Um, and I kind of, if we get the whole elite and Omega stuff, um, I think that we will get it earlier in in the show like to start the show and also i think that if skull wins the um the rh title that maybe that will kind of um stop a bunch of that but then we're talking about omega specifically which i think is a whole another dynamic so yeah you you bring up a good point there alan it's not something that i'd, I'd kind of considered i hope that it's not the case but having been at um uh ring of honor shows and other uh, shows in north america over wrestlemania weekend you're absolutely correct there are uh, there is a certain dynamic of utter shite hawks that exist uh, i've had to sit next to them personally which you know uh, almost ruined one fucking ring of honor uh, show for me uh, uh, so uh, I know exactly the show no actually you know what there are what two fuck, there are two then so that is the other one as well yeah jesus you just rem- i know the one you're thinking of as well dave so um, oh boy yeah yeah <laughs> But I think that this match will be uh, excellent, and I think uh, I, I think Okada is the safe bet to, to win this match. And you know, we we just set that course running for uh, Okada and Naito for the Dome next year. Unless anyone wants to take a wild guess or wild bet in the other direction. Nah. Nah. <laughs> All right then. Well, that is your uh, full preview of uh, this card. Um, I will be doing a, a review of this um, hopefully the day after, and uh, to get that up uh, relatively sharpish soonish, soonish after. Uh, the only other thing of note: there's uh, the next set of television tapings are on Saturday, April thirteenth. Um, I can't remember if we have. So we have the card tonight. I don't know if the what the the television episode before this show will be. Uh, I don't know. Can't remember where we are in the tapings. Um, so it could just be a one hour kind of uh, roll for preview for for this show. Um, but thank you for everyone that's been uh, listening. Um, we'll be doing this on a weekly basis doing a, a, a you know kind of weekly review of the television and, and preview of any of the the big shows that come up uh so obviously this is a pretty significant show to start off with um and i want to thank my guests uh so first day ryan if you have anything you wish to plug by all means please do now 
Hey, yeah. So thanks for having me on the show, Mark. Uh, really appreciate it. Uh, I suppose of most interest to people who enjoy the wrestling, I do a, a once every two weeks podcast, uh, Days of Thunder, which is a WCW Thunder rewatch podcast that Mark alluded to at the start. I still also don't know why we're doing it, but myself and Liam alone. Every two weeks, uh, review an old episode of Thunder. We're up to, I think, episode five of Thunder. We're about to drop that podcast this week. We've done, we've gotten through one pay-per-view. Snickers sold out 98. Uh, it's been good fun and like um, a, a group therapy session for myself and Lee, who I, I had watched a lot of Thunder growing up, like the, the last couple of years of it anyway. And Lee hasn't really seen any of it and kind of signed up for all this blind. So um, as a friend, I really should have stopped him but I didn't uh, at WCW Thunder pod on Twitter is the best place to go to get all the, the links and all that. And uh, Alan Farrell, where can we find you? Well, we already know where we can find you, but tell us anyway. I'm just distracted as a child wandering just right outside my window, uh, currently staring at me as I record this. It's can you not murder the child as well, please? <laughs> <laughs> His father's out there, so it might be awkward. Yeah. His father seems to have disappeared and now the child is wandering around my car. This is, yeah, this is strange. But anyway, um, yeah. <laughs> Heard you don't uh, like spiders, mate. <laughs> <laughs> It'd be like that kid from the the meme with the sand holding his fist up with me. Like, <laughs> cover for revenge from the spiders. But uh, yeah, I uh, I have a um, spider killing podcast over at Pete Up's Retort. No, uh, <laughs> uh, I have the Pro Rest Paradise that Mark talked about earlier over at PW Torch. And this weekend we... Um, unveiled our and now there's a cat stray cat stray children they're all coming for retribution for the spider why do you even need a tv oh, in your house you can just look out the window the cat. i repeat the child is chasing the cat this is fantastic um but uh uh yeah anyway uh, the dad is chasing the child um great banter here um, but uh, the uh, Progress Paradise, that's the thing I do. Also, we have great banter, and we had great banter yesterday on the show when we did our two-hour-plus, similar length to this, WrestleMania Indie Preview, all the shows happening in New York, New Jersey. Well, nearly all the shows. There's, you know, there's only so many shows you can talk about and it's it's less than the amount that are actually happening in New York and New Jersey next week but we covered a heck of a lot of them from the collective to WrestleCon to uh, more than Mania um, we ran down everything myself and Travis McNeil who's been my buddy doing the Mania Week indie previews for a couple of years now and uh, it went really well I was very happy with it um, the uh, Next weekend, I haven't fully decided yet, but I think what I'll be doing is kind of similar to last year when I was over at Mania Week. I kind of did ongoing audio updates throughout the weekend on the shows I went to, but I think I'll I'll kind of do something similar, but the shows as I watch them here on my couch. And um, that should be fun. And uh, Fighting Spirit Magazine will have an article on the aforementioned Jay White coming out shortly after WrestleMania Week. And... A WXW 16 carat. If you haven't seen it yet on WXW now, what are you waiting for? My uh, lovely vocal cords are on commentary for the majority of that. And uh, yeah, that's that's about everything. Alan Forel on Twitter. Go listen to Dave's podcast about Thunder. Oh, thanks, Alan. <laughs> 
And with that, thank you for, uh, to everyone that has listened to this first episode. And uh, yeah, we'll see you again next time.